here's. What do we do with that? Oh, I, I thought... you have to call her and tell her to check her email. Oh, her email. Okay. Why do you want that to run so long? Just wasting water. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Rabbi. Rabbi, is this a new mimer? No, not yet. It's the same one. Same one. I okay, sent so out another email. Only because your email, your email showed an, a mimer, so I thought this was maybe a different one. Okay. Same one, we didn't finish yet. We're going to finish this morning. Uh, I sent it out only because 
there's a new way to access by telephone. It seems free conference call is no longer easy to work with for some reason. We're having troubles with that. So there's a way to call into the Zoom without having to actually go on the Zoom computer video. Uh, there's a way people who want to use the phone can call into that as well if they want to. So good morning, good morning, sir. We have label live here. Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom. Hey, welcome. So we're going to get started in a moment. We're, it's a, this is, we're, we're actually towards the tail end of a beautiful mimer from the Rebbe about this week's Parsha. Uh, I sent it out again yesterday only because I wanted to uh, let people know that I'm no longer using freeconferencecall.com because it's, it's, it, there's all kinds of issues with them. Instead, there's an option in using Zoom to call in using the Zoom address as well. So people can do that. Has anybody called in with Zoom yet? Anybody there? Because I'm no longer using uh, free conference call. It's too complicated. Uh, it doesn't work. We're on page 162. Let's 162. So we, we just to recap the, 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 the main gist of the conversation we've had until now about the, the meeting of Yehuda together with Yosef, that Yehuda and Yosef have a, a meeting in a way that the Torah emphasizes and, and specifies by Yigash love Yehuda, that he has to uh, come close to him. By Yigash, there's a, a meeting of coming close to each other a juxtaposition, a proximity between the two, because these, these two great people represent two different paradigms of spiritual energy. The energy of limud, study, abstract, context of more of a heavenly perspective versus that Yosef, and word Hosefa, as opposed to Yehuda, the moda ani, the submission to action, the dedication to deed, that's Yehuda, the moda ani Yehuda, acknowledgement of dedication to service represents the Yehuda paradigm. Contrasting that with, we said before, heaven versus earth, study versus deed, uh, the, the, the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, in contrast to the Beis Amigdash, the temple in Jerusalem built out of stone, as opposed to the Mishkan in the desert, is made out of skins of animals, the plant kingdom, the cedar woods, and so forth different species that represent higher and lower realities. Those only realities from the Yosef perspective, Yosef and Safa, the growth potential in spiritual realms. But Yehuda is moda ani, the ability to take the most mundaneness and in action itself, bring about the connection to spark a unity with God by the actual fulfillment of what the deeds need to be done, what has to happen here in this world. As we said last Friday, Evan ma'asu habomim, the stone that was despised by the builders, yet it becomes becomes the cornerstone. And that represents the eternity of God's presence in the most in the most mundane context of human finite conditions of existence, the Yehuda paradigm. And Yehuda and Yosef come together in this week's parsha to begin that conversation. And we discussed last Friday that this is not only in the context of how we relate to the world at large, that there's the personal growth, the Yosef, Hostafa, the growth of learning and subliminal higher realms of abstract concepts that you bring into your reality. That's the Yosef paradigm. And that is, is, is emphasized, <clears throat> excuse me, by the concept of finding personal redemption 
by trying to transcend the challenges around you, the hosafa, the growth of seeing something in a different perspective, the more subliminal perspective, that's Yosef, Yosefa, but then you have to bring the level of Geula to Tfila, as we said last Friday. You have to connect and juxtapose, as our sages in the Talmud tell us, Geula to Tfila. Baruch Hashem, Ga'al Yisrael, you experience Geula, but then you have to go ahead and connect it, join it, bond it together with the Shmona Esrei. And what do we talk about in the Shmona Esrei, the Amida, that Hashem should give healing, Hashem should give Parnosa, connect the abstract, the transcendent, with the imminence of the physical finite world. That is our objective of having you uh, understanding Yehuda and Yosef coming together. And Yehuda ultimately becomes the dominant monarch. The importance, the centrality of the physical deeds of mitzvot that connect a Jew to the essence of God. That Yosef helps you appreciate the beauty of that, the study, the subliminal, transcendent levels of our Geula personal redemptive, redemptive moments but the objective ultimately has to be to connect that with Maiseh, the deed, Maiseh We're on page 162, holding by the third paragraph towards the bottom of the page. Amnam, however, we're going to, with God's help, we should be finished with this moment today, and we'll sound like a new one. Did anybody call in on Zoom, Zoom phone number? I sent out an email address yesterday in my email that people were no longer using free conference call. Now on people have to call in using the Zoom. Uh, you can either come in Zoom as you are, or you can. There's Herschel. Hello. Well, are you here? Yeah, go go on Zoom. You have to go on Zoom. I sent out an email. You can call in through Zoom. Okay. 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 We need to understand. The is toichen hasipur the hagashas Yehuda leYosef. We have to understand this whole. Story that we read in today's Torah reading, in the Torah and Shul this morning, about Yehuda coming close to Joseph. Shem is super that the Torah tells us great details. When Yehuda meets Joseph this morning in Shul, well, <laughs> when we read the Torah, we had this coming together of Yehuda and Yosef. So um, Yehuda basically relates over to Yosef all the different events that Yosef was quite familiar with. There was no Chiddush. There was no novelty of communication, of discussion that Yosef did not know about. He tells them over everything that happened. We came here, our father, we, we needed to get food for our family, and our, my father sent us down here, and all of a sudden you started accusing us. And, and the whole story that Yehuda tells over to Yosef, he tells them over everything that Yosef knew. He's just repeating reality as Yosef already knew what it was. He tells them, May your servant please tell over the words into the ears of my master, says Yehuda to Yosef. And Rashi says, May my words please enter into your ears. Please hear me out, he says to Yehuda, is to Yosef. It's almost as if that Yehuda is going to tell Yosef something he didn't know. There's nothing in Yehuda's words that Yosef did not know. The Achakach, Sipras, called Prati Hamurais, Sheiru Aisamadaz. And it just says, what happened? We came here, you accused us, we came home, we came back with Benjamin, and now we can't take him home. There's nothing there that Yehuda is saying that represents new information to Yosef that should trigger within Joseph the reason to be easy with them. There's nothing Yehuda is saying is that Yosef didn't know that would change his perspective. Tells him everything that happened. The question is, asked the Rebbe, 
Why is the Torah gives us the entire detail of this conversation, of Yehuda's conversation with Yosef, when in reality, the Torah is so careful for every word. So many halachot are learned out from one extra letter or word. And here we have Yehuda basically repeating over the events of the last week's parsha. Nothing new is being introduced to us. And in this conversation between Yehuda and Yosef. So why is it? Why did the Torah repeat what, what we already knew? And furthermore, all of a sudden Yehuda says these words. He repeats to Yosef the history of their relationship as it just transpired in Egypt. And all of a sudden, what happens to Yosef? What does the Torah say? Yosef cannot contain himself anymore. He has to allow himself to reveal and expose his identity to his brothers that he is Joseph, their brother. What does that mean to say? Umashman implies, says, that because of something Yehuda said, therefore it triggered, it inspired within Joseph the desire to come clean and to expose himself. Well, what was it? Whatever Yehuda told Yosef, Yosef already knew. There's no novelty there. Just repeating the history of the relationship as he began when the brothers first came down, Shimon got arrested, then they, he gets out when they come back, and, they, and then Benjamin now is threatened. And this is something that Yosef knew. Yehuda is just repeating reality. What happened? What was it about what Yudu was saying that caused a change in Yosef's perspective? And he says, I am Joseph, your brother. What was it? Listen, my friends, very careful. I want to share with you something very beautiful. That's why you come to this year, because it's Hasidus, and it's a beautiful perspective that you don't get unless you learn Hasidus. The Bible says like this. Let me talk about Teshuvah for a second person wants to do teshuva because something in the past in our lives and we have to revisit and say that that probably was not appropriate it wasn't okay so you have to first express a sense of harata part of the teshuva process is a sense of sorrow that we really did something i did something wrong and appropriate and i regret i'm sorry the question you have to ask yourself is are you sorry that you did something inappropriate is that enough is that sufficient? And then all of a sudden, okay, I did it wrong. I won't do it anymore. Or is there a deeper appreciation that we're being taught here in this parsha with Yehuda coming to Yosef or what they did to Yosef and how they sold him as a slave? Regret of teshuva doesn't just mean that you recognize and emphasize or articulate, I did something wrong. It goes deeper than that. And that's what this parsha teaches us. I have to come to a place whereby not only did I do something wrong, you have to think to yourself, listen here, my friends, what should I have done? Not just what I did was inappropriate, but what should I have done? That's the shuva. What actions could I have taken? Should I have taken before that would have been totally different? But if I would have done this, would have appreciated the scenario as, that I'm played, as it unfolded in my eyes. As I go back to the moments of when I did the mistake back then, not only did I do something wrong, you have to have the next sense, the next conversation has to be, but what should I have done? And this is where Yehud is telling Yosef what he should have done, what the brother should have done, what is coming out to the recognition, and this triggers and inspires Yosef. Now I see that that is not just a regret of, boy, things happen pretty badly, 
but it's a regret that has a deeper message and meaningfulness that this is what should have happened. This is what this was all about the entire time of Yosef's dreams, Yosef's leadership, that the brother should have related to it in the following way. Let's continue the mimer and we'll see how Yehuda's words represent revisiting the initial event of Joseph's sale and the Yehuda relating that event, not just as saying, oh, we did something terrible, but more than that, what should it have, what should have happened? What could that event have been when Joseph came to visit his brothers on that fateful day? Let's look into the mimer, three lines from the bottom of the page. Someone's calling in? That's great. Got my message? Did you get in? Someone just called in on Zoom? Hello? I see a big, okay. All right, let's go back. Ukrainian who, like this. As explained in Torah's time, in our parsh, that's the name of a sefer on the myth of the Rebbe. That the Chiddush of the words of Yehuda, listen, my friend, this is Gavaldi. The Chiddush of Yehuda's words, Yehuda, by having the conversation of basically repeating to Yosef everything that transpired back from day one when Yehuda and his brother sold Yosef, he was trying to pick up that entire episode to what the, pro to what the process should have looked like. He wanted to elevate it, that it's not just what happened down here as they viewed the perspective of what they did in the context of their own jealousy of a brother and what he was trying to say to them and their hurtfulness that they felt, they try to see it. How were the heavens looking at this activity? How were the heavens looking at Yehuda and Yosef and all the brothers coming together on that faithful day of Joseph's sale? In other words, what we're saying is the following. Every reality has its perspective in Pneumius and in Chitzayinius. It has what's referred to in Hasidic vernacular, what's called Das Elyon and Das Tachton. Das Tachton means the lower perspective of reality of how we live our lives. The context of that we relate to each other reflexively by seeing things in the context of how things present itself to you, how they unfold in your physical material context of existence and everything just plays itself out. You go from event to event from episode to episode, then a whole day goes by, and it's just about what presents itself to your eyes, to your naked eye in the physical context of existence. That, my friends, is called Das Tachlan. That's the lower context of reality. There's, however, Das Elyon. There's a supernal reality to everything taking place in our lives. In the heavens above, things are being orchestrated for a higher purpose. If you take a moment to pause or to hesitate, before acting reflexively in the things that come your way in life. You don't just go by routine, reflexive behavior, but try to see things how the heavens might perceive this, a heavenly orchestration of events, and therefore you relate to it based upon what would Hashem say I should do. So teshuva at this level doesn't just mean regret of what I did, but teshuva means regret because this is what I should have done, and nothing Yehuda saying to Yosef. I see now how things were way back then. You as a leader, as your dreams indicated to us, and there's a context to your leadership, Yosef, that we now have this context of what happened with my brother. He doesn't know that this is, this is Yosef, but he's telling Yosef what he realizes, what the error was back then when I had my brother Yosef with us, and I didn't relate to him in the context of the heavenly expectation. Behind him, to say the following, last line of the page, 162. Heino says the Rebbe, 
Shapa'al Bigor Vazicha Bachol Pratimelo. By Yehuda going back and revisiting the initial event of Joseph's sale, he was refining those moments, those fateful moments, back to the perspective of what the possibility should have looked like, what the expectation was from God's perspective. Why was he going there? He was trying to inculcate himself and to change the whole conversation into Das Elyon. He's trying to transition from Das Tachton from lower perspectives coming from a selfish state of my identity into what was God thinking here? Why was God sending Joseph to us with his dreams and this context of his reality of bowing down? What might be a deeper message? He brought back the physical realm to the source and the origins in the heavens. The Hime says, Yehuda, top of the last page, please. Yehuda mentions in his words, last page, please, 168. Externally, clearly, this was something very inappropriate, selling Yosef. He add to the point, because they did that sale, Yehuda was downgraded. As the Torah says, by Yehuda, Yehuda became less respected by his brothers. He had a personal failing in his own life as the story continues with the next episode of Yehuda and Tamar, he no longer had that state of exalted state that Yehuda was meant to be. Because Yehuda didn't stop the brothers, so there was a claim against Yehuda. Why didn't he stop the brothers from going ahead and allowing the sale to move forward? He's the one that came up with the idea, let's sell him instead. So Yehuda has a downfall. On them, however, listen carefully. Yehuda is trying to create a new interface, a relationship between the brothers and Yosef, not knowing he's talking to Yosef, but he's revealing to him what he sees now that he didn't see then and what should have happened. He's transitioning from Das Tachton to Das Elyon. Says the Rebbe, three lines on top of the last page. Umnam, however, they should be Yehuda bin Yanam Elu. The fact that Yehuda speaks in these contexts, they're recognizing the mistakes of the past. Of what could have been done, recognize that Joseph had a position of leadership. Hell, I saw the The point is that when you revisit the past and you find something in the past that's not 100% appropriate, the context has to be not just regret for what you did, but what could I have done then differently? What should I have done? Thereby, you bring it to a higher conversation back to the source of why God put you in the situation that you were susceptible to the error. There was a reason that that happened to you. And the reason is because God expected to act in a particular way. And if I didn't then, I'm not just sorry that I didn't. I'm trying to say in my mind right now, what could I have done? What should I have done now? Yehud is making that observation, that interface with Yehud at this point. Elevated to the original conversation that God put you into the situation initially. And everything that comes to your way in life comes from the heavens. Like so the brothers also, Yosef's coming, and the initial reaction can be, let's get him. This dreamer's coming here, this person, this arrogant brother. That's one response. It was a response we had, but now I see things differently. Well, the effort of the, the story, the message of Yehuda and his brothers, and Yosef and his brothers in this part is to try to help us in the context of our lives as we have a relationship with each other to try not to respond reflexively not try to respond only by the context of the, the immediacy of how to respond because of your own limitations and seeing things that limited way, 
but to try to have a higher conversation of how God is present here and continuing to make these realities for us. And what happens then at the end of that? When you do that, it comes out the following, that the fact that they sold Joseph was actually, again, part of a master plan, that Joseph had to come to Egypt, so we can come to Egypt, that Joseph can become the viceroy, the mission of Melech, and get the Jewish people here to survive, literally survival, having food to sustain themselves, and ultimately to prepare the Jewish people for Exodus and the revelation at Sinai. In other words, to always allow yourself to have God's orchestration of events paramount in your context of life. And when you do so, you allow things to take place in a way that transition seamlessly, transparently into God's reality. Now all of a sudden he realizes that the purpose of the sale of Joseph may have been for something very special. And Joseph's hearing this and Joseph's saying is, I get it now, I see why I'm here. Now I see why this all happened because Yehuda was willing to go back and to the initial state of that sale and say there's a higher perspective here. I'm not sure what it is until Joseph finishes the sentence. I can tell you, I'm your brother Joseph. I'm here to help you, sustain you, support you and prepare for your coming to me and prepare the Jewish people ultimately for Sinai and for the giving of the Torah. <laughs> God sent me here to support you by and I'm a leader here with the Pharaoh with Pharaoh. because Yehuda, because Yehuda in his bittle, Yehuda was now accessing the depths of his soul, his energy of the Moda Ani paradigm, submission to God, submission to reality, to regret the past, but in a way that represents the ability to move forward, not to become paralyzed will become disabled by the past, but to see it as a trigger of what I should have done and will do, that allows us to go back to the original plan and intent of God is to get the Jewish people to Egypt, and then Joseph can finish the sentence and say, guess what? I am Joseph, your brother. That therefore Yehuda's bittel was affected and triggered the revelation of Yosef himself. That's how Yosef now says, I can't contain myself. I've got to tell them who I am. Because of his bittel, he was able, his, his selflessness, he was able to trigger in Joseph the response, I'll give you the rest of the story. You can't get the rest of the story unless you're willing to allow yourself to submit yourself into God's hands. When you submit yourself and acknowledge God's presence, then you hear the whole story. Then you're going to be able to free yourself from the shackles of doubt and inconsistencies, challenges, and hardships and confusion. When you submit to that level of deciding that you need to be a better person, then all of a sudden new vistas of opportunities open your way Joseph says, I'm here to support you. We continue. So Yosef now sees a whole new paradigm of who he is, what he's meant to be, and that's why he couldn't control himself anymore. Why? Because Yehuda, and speaking on behalf of the entire brothers, was able to see things as God sees them and what should have happened. And Yosef says, here's the rest of the story. So Joseph now starts crying. Where is crying from? Where, where did tears come from? Why is he crying? A person cries when a person can't contain that which he's being exposed to in the limits of the mind's, of the mind's eye. There's a limitation of the mind to, to not be able to control, to contain, to allow a perfect reconciliation of an event that's taking place. 
So God gave us an opportunity to cry as a healing process to try to understand and acclimate something beyond the limits of my mind. Crying is an effort to do that, is it's therapeutic in that context. Yosef begins crying because he comes now to a place that all of a sudden Yosef sees now the fulfillment of his dreams. The Yosef himself did not see how it was going to play out. He had these dreams, but now he sees it's all happening. This is beyond the limits of even Yosef's mind that was triggered to go to that place by Yehuda's going, going in that conversation to the source of how it all started. It represents going to a revelation, such a place, a place that mind and mind's limits cannot tolerate. And therefore, Joseph says, He couldn't contain himself. What made Joseph go to that place? Because Yehuda went to that place. Yehuda went to the place of submission. He went to, to the place beyond Das Tachtom, beyond limited smallness. They're able to see big picture. Yehuda is going back to big picture. So when Yosef now is exposed to the big picture, when he hears this conversation from Yehuda, so it brings Yosef back to the big picture. And he says, I can't no longer control. I can no longer control myself in this dissonance. I have to reveal to you the entire purpose as I see it now unfolding. And he, he reveals himself. Although generally we say that Yosef is higher than the tribes and the patriarchs, he could be in the palace of the king and be great tzaddik, as opposed to the tribes have to be shepherds and fields to maintain that distinct identity with holiness. As explained that the Ovis Ashvatim were right, they were shepherds, in order to be bespoke to be in a state of, uh, of, of, of seclusion, to maintain high spiritual levels. But Yosef is much greater than that. He can be connected to the he can be connected to the essence of God, even as there's a mission of viceroy and the king in palaces in the palace of Pharaoh. As it says in the Medrash, that when Yaakov said, Rav od Yosef ben my son Yosef is still alive, is it tzaddik? That's even greater than me. That Yaakov finds out, he makes that comment, my son is a greater tzaddik than I am. I couldn't be a tzaddik in the shrine. I had to be somewhere as a shepherd in the field, somewhere to be that kind of a tzaddik. So Yosef is that great. The mile of Yosef over even Yaakov. Nevertheless, but how does Yosef reveal the full potential of his reality? It's when he sees the bittel of Yehuda. And that's the message of this, of this mimer and this parsha. That Yehuda, by his dedication of bittel, of selflessness, which allows a person to transition from smallness of das tafa to the greatness of das elyon, to the higher perspective, which requires humility, selflessness, self-effacement, to allow ourselves to see the presence and hand of God and all of the things that come our ways, even to a brother seems so arrogant and cause a jealousy, to free yourself to that, to surrender yourself to a higher perspective, that causes even Yosef, as holy as he was, the great tzaddik in Mitzrayim, that even he comes to a place greater than he was before, he begins to realize his own dream. And he sees that this is really taka happening. This is not just a dream. Here is playing out right in front of me. When Yehuda comes close to Yosef and he repeats the whole story, but not a story from smallness of mind, that's Tachton, but from the greatest of Das Elyon, and Tachton's Habitol Hanal, Habitol Zed, Paul Gili or Nalu Kolkach, it affected such a great holiness, even greater than Yosef. And Yosef now sees that although I'm the king now, he does see the future potential. 
that Yehuda can bring us to that place because he's selfless and he's really humble. And it's the bitl of Yehuda, the moda ani, that brings you to the greatest level that even Yosef sees, even greater than I am, this tzaddik in Mitzrayim. And Yosef recognizes that and he says, I can no longer control myself. He starts crying. He becomes limited in, the, in his mind's eye to contain the greatest that he's visioning now as he sees his brother Yehuda. The greatness of Bittal, of humility, even inspires Yosef to begin crying, saying, wow, this is the greatest paradigm. Yehuda is going to be ultimately the king. Mashiach and David HaMel come from Yehuda, from Yehuda not from Yosef. Tachlis Bittal HaMel, the greatest expression of selflessness. This Bittal, Paul Gili Ornal, Kol Kachshel, Amai Lagam, Mizunagashis Yosef. That Yehuda showed him, I might be the Mishnah Melech over here, but Yehuda's potential of selflessness and humility that allows a person to go back to a quintessence state of God's presence is greater than my hisafa and learning, my study, my heavenly appearance, my heavenly paradigm. There's a bit of the greatest of that, that Yehuda, that Yosef also sees, becomes attracted to, and says, I can't control myself anymore. I've got to tell the guys the rest of the story. That shall call Nishma based Paron. But ultimately, the fact that Yosef's brother came to visit him becomes the house of Pharaoh to hear the news of the rest of the story that Yosef's brother, I hear, says that hold on to your chairs. Base Paro says the Zohar, the house of Paro. You know what the word Paro means? Yeah, it's the name of the king, King Pharaoh. But it means something much more than that in the Zohar. Paro comes from the word Priya. You no, know Priya means Priya means the opening up of all the floodgates of holiness to open up. That Pharaoh externally represents the king who enslaves the Jews. Like we said before, that's Das Tachtoin. That's our perception, how you see things with our naked physical eyes. But the spiritual realms, Pharaoh is facilitating the Jewish people coming to the Mitzrayim, the necessary tool to get to revelation, to get to the promised land. It represents the opening up of the floodgates of divine opportunity. That's what Pharaoh really is about, says the Rebbe. That all of a sudden now the house of Pharaoh heard about Yossi's brothers. Based on this, quoting from the Zohar, this period, all the greatest lights of divine revelation are coming to Egypt into the house of Pharaoh, to the house of opening up of lights of Kedusha. As the Zohar says, until the Mamash, the light of the essence of God himself, Asmusi is far. That's the, that's the rest of the story that Yehuda come into Yosef, and Yosef being brought to the greatest levels of potential being realized through the bitl of Yehuda. It takes that level of humility, absolute abnegation of self to see higher perspective in every context of our lives. Concludes the Rebbe, the he Ratzon, may be God's will. The fact that we're talking about this, that we're trying to resolve in our own lives, become connected to a higher perspective and paradigm of life. We should be zeicha just by the fact that we're talking about that, acknowledging these concepts. We should come to Karam Mamish very, very soon. The fulfillment of the promise of the Haftar this week, the Poyo, which represents the joining together of the two sticks of Yehuda and Ephraim, the descendant of, Yehud, of Yosef as Ephraim, coming together until the two sticks merge into one. The Bittal of Yehuda and the Hesaf of Yosef, these two transcendence level of Yosef, the heaven. And the earth of Yehuda's bittle and selflessness come together as one. But then there's going to be one monarch. The monarch comes from King David. It represents the efficacy, the power, the potential that only can be achieved by the sense of the earthliness of selflessness. My servant David will be a prince to all the Jewish people forever and ever. 
the Mashiach will come with the simple, the tub level, with joy, with goodness of heart, take it from Yad Mamish, Mamish, immediately may we see this. Amen. 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 What was that word that Pharaoh, that the Zohar says that Pharaoh uh, is? Priya. 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 Priya, Priya, uh, yeah, Priya. Hey, Reish, Yud, I am Hey, Priya. Hey, Reish, Yud, I am Hey. Thank you. Which means to open up. The similar when, when part of the, the circumcision process, you have to Mila and Priya. Okay. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The same, the same context, able to be open up to divine essence, uh -huh. that to see that possibility of anything negative in your life is a perspective that's Das Tachtein. To transition to Das Elyon is what Yehuda is teaching us over here. And monarchy comes, royalty comes, integrity comes, the Malthus comes from Yehuda, from Bittel, for selflessness. It opens up all kinds of great opportunities to ourselves to see reality to the point that Yosef, with his great study, understanding, and transcendent levels, he all of a sudden sees the rest of his own story as well. Beautiful. Very good. Thank yes. you, Rabbi. Now I have a problem. I have to find another oh. for the end of the day. Marvel. We'll make it happen in Mitzvah. Amen. Thank you. I'll send you Amen. another one out tomorrow. Okay. Anybody call in on the phone? Uh, Thank you. Yes, I did at the beginning. Yeah. Uh -huh. Who's this? May I ask you who you are? This is Dr. Solomon. I, I called I the wrong number. At the so you called and you had no problem getting in? Is okay? Yes. Yes, there wasn't any problem with the 301 number. Yeah, the new one. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. All right, have a great day. And oh, thank you. Oh, you too. We will now. Thank you. Thank Rabbi. you so much, Rabbi. Will we, see you, will we see you at 1 o'clock? 1 o'clock here. Zoom only. One yeah. On Zoom. yeah. 1 o'clock. Thanks, Rabbi. Thank Rabbi? Rabbi? Yeah. I I don't think I'm on your email list. You I, are. I, I, look at your, your spam. I did. It wasn't there. All right. I'll check. I, you, I, I check you. You're definitely there. Definitely there. You're on the top of my list, Hannah. Don't think you're not. <laughs> everybody's on top of my list. We're all, we're all <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Peace and love, Mr. Shem. I'll see you, I'll see you in a couple hours. Only. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.